volume nice and loud. Because we are controlling transmission with dance beats and You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl. With your host, Dawn Marie. Hi, and welcome to the radio show. I'm your host, Dawn Marie, and today I have a super special guest. His name is Michael Reed. Not only is he quite handsome, he's an ice hockey player, and at the young age of 24, he's also an entrepreneur. He's a bourbon distiller. His company is called American Barrel. They make bourbon whiskey. If only you could see this bottle. It's such a unique bottle. It is beautiful. It's got this really cool design out there. It's a beautiful snake slithering around the bottle. So nicely crafted. I will definitely add a photo in the link below so that you guys can take a look at it. And I was so impressed with Michael that this young entrepreneur who's still in college and running this business, I knew I had to get him on the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm psyched because we have him here today. So without further ado, join me in welcoming Michael to the show. Welcome, Michael. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I know how hectic your schedule is between school and a business. It's got to be insane. And I'm sure that our listeners are wondering the same question that I know it was my first question is, how did you go from playing hockey to becoming a bourbon distiller? <laughs> well, um, you should know. I mean, whiskey is hockey's favorite drink. Um, but, uh, you know, I was playing hockey at Indiana University. Um, and I just was sitting in, in a hockey house. We had a, a little bar in the basement before we go to um, the actual bar. And I was one of the kids in the team was in Texas, and he had a big um, uh, Texas flag there with the rattlesnake around it. And um, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar, the rattlesnake is, yeah, you know. Very dangerous. Sorry? Very dangerous animal. Oh, yes, definitely, which is why it's, it's one of the uh, the American icons, you know, it's, uh, it, it has the rattle and it warns you and doesn't strike unless it needs to, but if it does, well, anyone knows how, how that, how that goes. Um, so I, I, I wanted to put that in, in a marketing um, thing with with, uh, with the product, and everyone in Indiana drinks bourbon. Um, I turned 21 while I was in Indiana, for better or worse, but, uh, so I started drinking bourbon, and so with the whole brand packaging image that I wanted to go with, it worked perfectly. Uh-huh. I mean, so you like to drink bourbon, and then you just decided, well, why not make some? Um, I, I know it sounds funny, but yeah, I mean, the thing with me is uh, my brain is always thinking about ideas or synthesizing ideas or product or marketing. I mean, I, I write things down constantly, 10, 15 days a day. I have thousands of those, and 90% of them are just little ideas, like this bourbon, for example, or, or something related to it or something completely on the other end of the spectrum. And then the other 10% of my notes are notes to go back and read my notes because I have so many that I never go back and read them. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, it, 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 it's odd for people who don't know me well that it's something that I just kind of came out of the blue to do. But really, it's just one bunch of ideas that, um, that I just decided to run with and I got support for. And timing-wise, it worked out. Um, you know, bourbon is on an upswing, um, trending um, very well, and, you know, the safe and, and overseas. Um, and then as far as the brand image um, that I crafted around the bourbon, uh, culturally, it's having a big resurgence socially and politically. So it just, it just worked out really well for me, um, and I, I didn't have an excuse for not to go with it. Yeah, that's amazing. Is this is this your first business venture? 
this, yeah, this is my faith. Okay. Did you always consider yourself to be an entrepreneur? Is this something that you always wanted to do, to have your own business? Um, yes and no. Um, I would say this. I, I, I guess you can call myself an entrepreneur, but what drives me more is avoiding law school and the cubicle at all costs. So if I can make this work <laughs> that, then, then sure, I can, I'll be an entrepreneur. I think that's the actual definition of an entrepreneur, avoiding the cubicle at all costs. So, I love that. I think I'm going to have to quote you on that, Michael. <laughs> you mentioned something to me last weekend about how you have these 200-year-old whiskeys. Um, can you elaborate on what this means, and can you tell us a little bit about the actual distilling process? The whiskey that we make is we pull it from a barrel, we age it in, in a typical um, oak barrel for about um, two years, a little over two years, and we pull it out, and we have a very unique post-barrel refining system um, that the distillery that I use um, in South Carolina is the only distillery in the world that actually uses this technique um, for, for distilling and producing uh, their bourbon. Um, so we're the only really bourbon that has it on the market. And it, it, what it does is it, it replaces the, the process of typical and traditional aging where you know our shelfmates have to, to leave their, their whiskey in a barrel for six, eight, ten years to achieve their desired taste profile. Well, with the system that we use, I can achieve the same thing, but even more efficiently um, in just a couple of times to, the, to our post-barrel process. And, and what it does is it leaves the, the whiskey with a very smooth texture and, and yet retains a rich flavor. Um, and, and mine uh, has, a, has a very smooth, smooth finish, got a little caramel vanilla hint at the end. It's almost too drinkable. I've been accused of it being too drinkable <laughs> lately, so I mean, I guess it's a bad thing or a good thing, but... Um, it, it, it's very good. Um, I know that typically people, whiskey drinkers, um, historically they want what's got the biggest number on the label. But the new trend is people just want to drink what tastes good, and mine tastes really good. I have to say, I was really, I, was, I must admit that when Kim was giving out some of these prize winners, they want the one, the bottles from your American barrels. I was feeling really envious because I wanted to win one because I really loved the bottle and it just looked so good. And I wanted, if it wasn't 10 o'clock in the morning, I was like, can you open it, Kim, and like send the sample around because I really wanted to try it. Um, how many bottles would you say are you distilling right now? Well, in, uh, out of the still we have, um, about 8,000, a little over 8,000 cases. So that equates to almost 48,000 units. Um, now all of those aren't filled at the moment. Um, we just launched basically in Southwest Florida. Um, I go to FTCU now. I play on the hockey team there. It's my hometown. I grew up here. And so this is a great place for me to start the brand. And so we're, we're on, uh, you know, a few bar and restaurant sales. We've been really good enough that, um, but we have some other deals in the works with, um, other markets. So, so our, 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 our ability to, to, to place orders, um, and, and so is any volume. Really. That's awesome. How and where do you warehouse all these bottles? Do you uh, have to, like, really rent a space, or do you have, a, like, a deal with some kind of warehouse distributor that you can actually put your stock in there? Well, how it works is the, the, the distillery uh, will, will store all of our product um, before it's filled. And then after we fill it, we then ship it to the distributor who is then going to distribute to their account. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but there's a three-tier system. It's a really big pain in the butt. But anything that the federal government gets into usually is. And what has to happen is a distributor buys my product from me and then sells it to a restaurant or a bar or a liquor store. I can't go directly and do that. Which sounds like it could be 
you know, annoying and it is at, uh, on some levels, but for some guys like me who are literally just starting, a big distributor is going to have a lot of contacts so they can talk probably to a lot quicker than I can going from store to store to store one at a time by myself, which is true to what I have been doing because uh, I think I, when I, I saw you at the park. The distributor helps out little guys like me um, in some cases because it, it has a lot of already made accounts. Whereas what I'm doing right now locally in Southwest Florida is being my own salesperson, delivery boy, forklift operator. So, so we're in the process of, of, of moving all of the products in Charleston to a bigger distributor so we can go into more money. That's awesome. How do you find your distributors? Is this something like you actually have you to do that for you or is this something that you'd have to do yourself? Uh, no, I do it myself. Um, <laughs> Uh, but most of the time, I'll call a place, they'll come back and say that they love the product, but they need a $2 million marketing budget, something like that. And for a lot of the bigger guys, that's understandable because they, they're wanting to pick up a product they can put in every single state immediately, or at least sample it in every state that they distribute it. So I was talking with one of the biggest distributors in the country. Fox kind of fills it out a little bit. I think we want, we're going to revisit that. Now that the product has where we can show that it's it's being received very well, not just by people sampling and tasting it and looking at it, but people actually buying it and then rebuying it. And um, but but most of the distributors, it's it's just you have to pick them the product. If they find you and they like you, then then maybe they'll come and call you up and say, hey, we'd like to we'd like to distribute your product. I ha- I've had a few smaller distributors in other states contact me about picking up the product. So it goes both ways. Awesome. Now, can you can you do something like that? Can you go with larger? And is that your decision to make that you can go with a couple of distributors at one time, or is it like an exclusive deal that you kind of have to stick with one distributor? Well, most most of the distributors will want um, exclusivity within their region or whatever part of uh, whatever territory they distribute in. You're not going to want to have two distributors that both cover Fort Myers. Right. Okay. But you are free to go with somebody, say, in the New York City market and work with somebody out there. Exactly, yeah. You, I'll have, um, right now I'm talking to a distributor in the different than, than from the one I use here in Michigan and another one again um, in Alberta, Canada, we're looking at, and a couple other places, like I said, in Kentucky and Tennessee. So, but those will all be, um, like a boutique distributors, I guess, although the one in Michigan and in Alberta are very big in those markets. Awesome. But the goal, the goal, the end goal is to, is to get um, someone like RNDC or Southern Wine, which covers 75, 85% of the country, to pick up your brand. It just makes the marketing aspect a lot easier. I would think so if you have one person who can cover all the territories, yeah, instead of having, you know, to jump around. Um, let me ask you this question. If someone wanted to begin a business like this, is this something that you can start, say, out of your garage, or is this only something that you can do in a really large filler environment? You know, like we have all these beer brewers doing their breweries at home. Is this something you can start with at home? Well, whiskey's a little different. So the maintaining laws are different than the, than the house brewing laws. Um, I would say not necessarily in your garage, but you can start. It sounds when I talk about it that I, that I start and jump into this production, but really I'm, I'm very small and at the beginning still. My or my quantities are a little larger than um, some might expect when you first start off. But in order to get you know the correct deals and discounting, when you're getting products. Um, you know, more does cost less. Which, um, okay. But but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I started this when I was in a college dorm room in Indiana, um, and it's 
taken almost three years now to come to fruition and actually have a product in my hand that I can open and, and take a drink out of. Wow. Um, I, I have just, my I next question. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I just, I just wouldn't recommend um, selling or, or distilling that in your garage. But, I mean, well, when I say garage, I mean, <laughs> when I say garage, I just mean like, you know, in a home-based environment. I didn't necessarily mean, you know, the garage, literally. Right. But, um, yeah, I just said, because I know there's a lot of that home-brewing stuff going on right now, so it's kind of trending, and I didn't know if that's something, because I know people can make moonshine, and there's that's another big thing that seems to be hitting the market right now. Um I just I remember people doing them in their homes. I just didn't know if that's something that could be done. But that was my question, to see how long has it been since you started it to actually work where it's hit the market. So it's been three years? Three years from the original conception concept of the idea to my first little sketches on paper to to actually having a product that is being sold. So... It's it is a it is a process. I will tell you that I've learned so much over the last few years. Um, I feel like I'm studying pre-law because I'm in law school, but just in all the legal stuff that I've had to deal with and, and go over in the past few years, I feel like I've already been to law school once or twice. Um, <laughs> so in that in that regard, I guess I'm I'm learning something extra useful. But um, it, it's it, it is a lot of work that. I'm not sure if I would have knew it was this much work at the beginning. I actually would have gone through with it, but I am glad I did. Because it taught me other... Other than the fact that, you know, I love this idea and I think it's going to do really well, I learned that even if you have a good idea, it takes a lot of work to get that idea from paper to product and then actually from product into stores and into people. So let me ask you this question then. How? What would you say was one of the largest challenges you faced whether it was the personal or the business related and, and how did you overcome it? Largest challenge. Um, probably shopping around until I found the perfect distillery. And I, I went through a few actually and a few things you have to look at, or at least I had to look at when I when I looked into a distillery that I I could contract with to make the bourbon distillery. And I wanted to be able to have complete control over what the recipe was. I wanted something that I was going to taste good because I wasn't going to put something in my bottle that I wasn't going to drink. Um, and I wanted it to be different than what else is out there on the market and and stand out but in a good way. So I, I went through a couple of different distilleries. We went back and forth. But when I finally found the one that, we, that I'm using um, in Carolina, it, 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 it's been great so far. They're great with everything. And, and, and also they... They do the bottling there at site. They pack it up. They ship it. So it's it's um that was probably one of the hardest. The other one was my bottle. My bottle is a very unique and detailed bottle. Um, so getting that manufactured wasn't as easy as getting you know just like a typical wine bottle made. There's a lot of intricacies in the, the the molds and and everything that goes into it. So that was another hurdle. But it, we overcame that and it came out great. I would I would say other than that, just um, right now would be the biggest hurdle would just be every day getting on the phone and calling distributors and calling retailers to call their distributors to get the product. Wow! So I love the design. How did you come up with that design for your bottle? It's so unique. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you. I think it just popped in my head. But I came up with the name first. Um, American barrels, which is, you know, a little double entendre for gun barrels and whiskey barrels. And so, 
um, think that led into the design of the bottle. I knew I wanted to use the rattlesnake. That was that was my big icon. That was going to be my my party stat. Was um, with the rattlesnake, and so then after I had that and the name, somewhere along the line, maybe in a dream, um, the shotgun shell bottle just popped in my head. So I just started drawing it up, and it, that's the one everyone likes most. So that's the one I went with. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of glass, and I admire all kinds of glass. I've had collections of, like, blown uh, glass vases and um, any, any unique little glass pieces I'll pick up along the way. Um, I actually have a little, uh, an antique bottle, uh, which is in the shape of the Eiffel Tower, which I think I probably had perfume in it or something years ago, and it looks like it's probably from, like, the 20s or 30s or something. And what I do is sell my fireplace mantle and every holiday I put water and food coloring in it so I change the color of it so that that it's Christmas and green and St. Patrick's Day and what have you but um, yeah I really really love the bottle and I can't wait to get my hands on a couple bottles because I think they're actually going to be great gifts and um, I want to get some to my friends and family so I'm wanting to know do you have any events or sample cases that you do throughout the year? Yeah we've done um a lot, actually, so far in just the past month, and we have one. Um, there's a wish. Um, I'm going to change courses here for a second because I know that you are a hockey player, and hockey is one of my all-time favorite sports. And I definitely felt like I was honored to work with the National Hockey League for the three years that I worked with them. And I've been a fan of the game since I was a little girl. And my brother, who played roller hockey at the time, I remember asking him to teach me how to play hockey, and his response was, "Girls don't play hockey." <laughs> but if anybody knows, in the 90s, the all-girl team won the U.S. Olympics. So, I guess, but anyhow, I know you played for a long time and you played for Indiana College for two years, and which is pretty impressive. And what position do you play? Um, I play goalie, um, but I- I'll start off by, by addressing you what you were saying there about girls playing hockey. My sister plays hockey, and she plays... Uh, at Utica up in um, upstate New York, and she's very good. I think she averages two or three points a game. So, uh-huh. so I, I know I know that very well. And, and I don't even let her skate with me in the summers anymore when she's home because I don't want to be embarrassed. So, that I'm that I'm not she plays for she's a um, and and she's got uh, bangles. Um, is the word. Her hands are great. So she um, she, she's very good. But I actually, I, I'm a goalie. I played it. Um, I play right now at FGCU, um, and I transferred from Indiana University. I transferred for a number of reasons, but a lot of it was to, to start this whiskey brand. But I played at IU for two years, and before that, I was in Canada. I had taken a year and a half off between high school and, and college to, to play juniors up in Sarnia. Um, so I had a suitcase all over the place actually for hockey, which is, has, has had its ups and its downs, but I've met a lot of cool people. I think traveling, you do. You meet some really great people and probably friends that you'll probably have for the rest of your life or at least, you know, some really great contacts for the rest of your life. And I think goalies, I mean, that's like the toughest position to play. Uh, my ex fiance opinions was a goaltender, and um, I mean, I remember trying on the equipment, it's like 30 pounds of equipment, and the fact that you're constantly up and down, saving pucks from getting in the net, and then the opposing team always seems like they want to try to hurt you or cut you or something, <laughs> they don't want to lose, and like, you never get a shift break, so I mean, I have to give you kudos, Michael, because that's like one of the toughest positions to play. 
Um, how long have you been playing? Um, since I was three. Um, I used to I used to live in in up in Carmel, Indiana, actually, um, a long time ago. And and I guess I wanted to play soccer when I was younger, but you had to be five to play soccer, but three to play hockey. And this is how the story goes. My mom tells it all the time, and so. I got hockey skates instead of a soccer ball one year, and that was that. <laughs> but you grew up in Florida? Um, I did. I, I lived in Indiana for a little while when I was really young, and then we moved to, to South Florida here, and, and I grew up here, um, played hockey locally at the at Jermaine Arena, which is where I play now um, with FCCU, and, and then uh, when I got to high school, I, I left and went and played um, at, at Two different prep schools in New England. I went to Westminster for a year in Connecticut, and then I, I transferred to a bigger hockey prep school, Cushing Academy, which is in uh, uh, North Massachusetts. Wow, so you really have uh, skated everywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I've, I've, like been a- in, uh, I've been in most of the states. I've been in uh, tons of countries in Europe for, Canada, uh, and for hockey. So it's, um, it's, it's had its benefits um, even off the edge. Well, I have to give your your parents a lot of credit because I'm sure that, you know, being a hockey parent is no easy task for them either because the schedules and the cost involved, I know hockey is a super expensive sport. Um, it's just amazing. So let me, let me get back on track with American Barrel. So tell me, Michael, where can our listeners find American Barrels if they want to pick up a bottle? So, is there some place, I know you said locally, is in the Fort Myers area, are there a couple liquor stores there that they could go to if they're in the area or call and maybe have something shipped to them? Yes, we are just finishing up a deal actually with uh, Total Wine and, and possibly Sam's Club as well. And then uh, the public liquor store is not picking it up also. Um, if, if anyone wants to go to www.americanbarrels.com, um, our Where to Buy page will have all of the different retailers that, that you can find that product listed. And definitely, and definitely go and get it. Absolutely. And <laughs> Michael, I'd love to see you have super huge success with your business. And I just want to know, is there anything our listeners can do to help meet your goals? Uh, if there's any way they can stay in touch with you or um, help you in any way? I mean, if, if, if you just want to follow us on Twitter, um, we, we also have a Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm trying to get my Instagram game up. Um, but it's all at American underscore barrels. And so, um, yeah, we just, we love the support. I get comments from people all the time on, on the different social media outlets. A lot of them asking when and where they can buy a bottle, which is a great thing to hear. But then it's, oh, I wish I had it next to you so you could, you know, go buy it in your local place. But hopefully soon, as I tell everybody. So we, I love all the support and, you know, just tell your friends about it. Try it and, and, and share it with your friends. Awesome. Well, Michael, I'm sad to say that it looks like we're almost out of time. But before we leave, I have a quick question. Has anybody ever told you you look like a young George Clooney? A young George Clooney? No, I have not gotten that. I've gotten, <laughs> I've, I've gotten someone else before, but not George Clooney. <laughs> but but I, don't, I don't know what he looks like when, when he was younger. I was before my time, but I, I'll, I'll say thank you. I'll... <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I'd love to have you come back on the show again sometime and uh, get a status update on you and American Battles if, that's, if that works for you. Yeah, definitely. You let me know, and I would be more than happy to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time out and being my guest today. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me, and, and I'll make sure that you get a bottle or two for, for <laughs> Sounds good. 
And I just want to say to my listeners listening out there today that thank you again for listening to our show. And if you like today's show, please share it. And remember, it's never too late to begin to choose the life that you are meant to live. Bye for now.